The only permission, the only validation, and the only opinion that matters in our quest for greatness is our own. A quote by Dr. Steve Mariboli. Welcome to HEAL, conversations to guide you toward personal growth and overall well-being. for this next episode of Heal. Our next guest is Amy Innes. We have been chatting before this introduction and giggling a lot. So let's hope that the interview is just like that, but who knows? (laughs) (laughs) She'll probably clam right up and be like, oh my God, I'm on camera, but she's really not. (laughs) This is Amy. She is a therapist and a radical permission coach, which I love the title. Can't wait to hear more about it. Welcome to the podcast, Amy. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. I'm really glad that it worked out for us to get together today, you know? <laughs> same, same. Yeah, yeah. Um, Monday nights at 5.30 are tough sometimes. <laughs> it's the beginning of the week and everyone's like, Ugh. so right. it's nice to have you on. You're yeah, coming from, are you, are you across the country? Yep, I'm in Bellingham, Washington. That's so cool. I'm in Massachusetts. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. We are literally right across the country, like opposite yeah. ends. North end. Yeah. So thanks again for coming. I am so excited to talk to you about whatever a radical permission coach is. I think I can tell what it is, um, but I really love to hear what brought you to become like what happened in your life to say, I want to help people through therapy. Um, I've always wanted to be a therapist or a social worker or something to help people. Um, So I became a coach. So I love the fact that you are taking your um, expertise as a therapist and also um, bringing that into your coaching. So I can't wait to hear about it. Tell me everything about yourself. Start at the very beginning when you're like four. Okay, <laughs> so I was born. <laughs> yeah, you can start wherever you want, I suppose, but well, I can't wait to hear. As I think about it, and as I've been working on this, this, this coaching transition in my career, I mean, I've been a therapist for 22 years and I'm, I'm sort of, I, I hadn't really, it, it never really dawned on me that you can do more than one thing in your life. I don't know if that's just a rude awakening for a lot of people, but it's like, oh, like I could just sit in this chair and be a therapist until I'm done working. But also, what's really funny is that you're talking to me. Can I tell you all the jobs I've had? I was a chambermaid. I was a bartender. I was a restaurant manager. I was a, I love it. I don't know. I've done almost everything. So go on. Yes. You can do more than thing. One thing. And before, before, before I was doing therapy, right. I, I mean, I had that sort of, yeah, that journey through work and, and, and like, I've been very comfortable doing what I'm doing, but then mm-hmm. I'm, I'm listening to all these other people who are like, suddenly they're creating content and they're writing books and they're, and, and I, I feel like, you know, I still just started being a therapist yesterday, but it's like, oh my gosh, no, I've been helping people for 22 years. And that, um, so many people struggle with the same thing, like different yep. words for the same thing. Right. And how common it is. And, and, um, and I've always been really conversational as a therapist. So here, to add more verbiage to this, um, I'm sort of hey, that's what podcasts do. All you do is talk. So it's okay. I love it. I love it. So, <laughs> um, you know, going, it's sort of like, I'm going back in time and realizing all these things in my life that make sense now. Yeah. That, that, so I wouldn't necessarily, I guess that's, you never really know you're writing your life story as you go along. Um, but looking back on it, I, um, I've always, so I was, I was, uh, my, my father was a narcissist but not the sort of textbook narcissist. He was sort of the covert wounded narcissist, like oh, somebody who you, um, I don't know the right way to say it, but um, love and pity get mixed up a lot. And I feel like he cashed in a lot on pity, mm-hmm. you know? And so his, his way of disrespecting your boundary would be to treat you as though you've just really broken his heart and hurt him. Mm-hmm. So you, and as a child, as this person's child, of course, yeah. Anything. Yeah. He's bigger than life and anything he says and does is real and true. And you did yeah. do that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And then, you know, um, my mother was, I think like many women in her generation, really into the keeping up appearances and making things look nice and making yeah. things be nice. And yeah. we keep our dirty laundry at home. And, and needless to say, we had dirty, dirty laundry in our home. <laughs> 
that was all yeah. painted over with smiles and, and good behavior and all the other things. And so, um, you know, as I got to be an adolescent, which adolescence does not mix well with nope. keeping up appearances and narcissism. It's like, sorry, I'm the only person who actually is allowed to be a narcissist right now because I'm 14. Right. Like, that's, <laughs> that's developmentally like, appropriate. It's literally my job right now. <laughs> well, Jesus, he probably suffered from arrested development. Something probably happened to him when he was around that age and everything exactly. revolved around him. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, I found myself really, really like what, when it was time to go to, you know, silent reading in school, I, I migrated towards self-help books. I couldn't even tell you what the first self-help book was that I picked up, but I loved how they were written. And I, and I loved that they, that they were, you know, trying to get something out of somebody's way. That's the whole thing is usually when we're looking for help, there's something in the way. Yeah. And so I didn't think a whole lot of it, except because being the child of a narcissist, you tend to turn anything bad or shameful inward, right? I'm bad. Yes. I'm not good enough. I need to be better. I'm not a good enough friend. I have to text people the next day, like, Hey, this thanks for hanging out last night. I hope I didn't say anything rude or you know, whatever. Isn't that crazy? Like, isn't it's that crazy nuts. when you think about it and look back, like, I can't believe I thought that much about like yeah. what people you were literally walking on eggshells all the time. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. No, it, it's true without knowing that's what I was doing. And so when I got to that spitfire age where I don't keep up appearances, I am like straight up. Um, my mom did not like that and wanted to, of course, keep it really, you know, I, I shouldn't say quiet, but just like, we don't talk about that stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, and it was always best foot forward or like, you know, you walk in to visit her and she would give you the old like smile, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and so I really, I found escape in these books. I think the way a lot of kids find escape in, in their fiction landscapes, yeah. I found escape in self-help. And I always thought it was because I was broken. No, no wonder I like these books. There's something wrong with me, clearly. These will and help fix me. Yeah. These will help fix me. Yeah. Um, and so, um, it, and, and when I got into college, I remember taking, I needed an elective. I needed two credits. And I found this psychology of self-esteem class. It was pass oh. fail. The book was feel the fear and do it anyway. And I thought, perfect. That's what I need right now. Something easy. And I love self-help books. This will be fun. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, past, yay. But, um, you know, that, that turned into, I ended up taking psychology. I kind of struggled my first year of college, I think because I was just lost and my family, uh, my parents divorced my senior year of high school. Finally, they needed to, mm -hmm. um, but, um, it was not an ideal time for me to then try and go start at a university because I just, you know, me now in my forties, I can look back at someone who's 18 and trying to manage all that with the doesn't bother me attitude. Um, it didn't go well. No. So by the time I got back to school, I had, I kind of took a detour. Uh, my very first A that I ever got in college was intro to psychology. And I loved it. I loved it. I don't know why I loved it. I just like, it just all seems so easy. And it just, well, it's so probably, it probably deep down was an insight into your parents and their behavior. Yep. And you're like, okay, I'm going to make sense of this now. Yeah. Right. Maybe. I feel the company of this room. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah. um, and that, uh, that was, so that was in the community college setting. And then I went back to uh, the university I'd started with and I, and I completed my bachelor's in psychology there. And I got to connect with a really amazing professor who taught um, phenomenology, which what? is what? like, it's the study. It's basically, I'm going to get it all wrong. So if you have any phenomenology types in your audience, I <laughs> I'm going to guess that we out. might not have any phenomenology. I've never it's, even heard that word before. It's an area of philosophy and psychology that is devoted to the study of consciousness. Okay. And being. I should know about that. Yeah. I, I believe phenomenology comes from a word. I'm going to get this all wrong, but I believe the word is like apophanesi. And it basically means to let that which shows itself be seen from itself. I'm looking it, it up itself. as you're talking. I'm yeah. looking it up. Do it. Um, is it like phenomenon? Yep. Yeah. And so for me, just to oversimplify it, um, yes. and because I'm rusty and it's been, you know, 20 some years since I was in these courses. Um, it's just letting things show themselves as they are and recognizing how our consciousness can be imposed, not yes. imposing, but right. Everything we, it, it's, it's like with projection, right? We, we project something on something. Um, and so that just like, I don't know what it was. It, it, and imagine like, you know, a dark classroom in a basement of a psychology building on a cold winter morning. And there's people in there just getting frustrated because this professor is just starting conversations by saying, so you were in love once. 
And it just, you go on this like journey talking about just exploring consciousness. Yeah. Um, and it was actually my first exposure to memes, which weren't even a thing at the time where we would, you know, pick images and words that go together that convey uh, an experience. That's so interesting. It was so fun. And I just was like, I love this. I'll do any independent study credits you'll give me. So I ended up studying um, a lot of existential um, philosophers. I studied, um, you know, Sartre, Camus, Heidegger, some deconstructionists, like just really got into philosophy and combining those things that plus psychology was just, it just gave me such a well-rounded view of the human condition and what we're all trying to live through. I'm so impressed because I, I have such an interest in all of that stuff now. However, I went back to school in my thirties uh -huh. to get my undergrad. I had uh, Brittany, who isn't uh -huh. here, by the way, everybody who's listening um, again. <laughs> and um, I had Brittany when I was young and I went back to school when she was a teenager and to get my undergrad in teaching and education. And I had to take a philosophy class and it was, and I was on the Dean's list, but mm -hmm. this flipping philosophy class was yeah. so hard. I couldn't wrap my brain around any of it. Yeah. And we had probably like a quiz, I guess you would call it. It was like every week and it yeah. was multiple choice and it was awful. I'll it's never so awful. forget how awful that was. But I yes. think now I, I have the, the bandwidth, if you will, and the ability to contemplate these big questions. Yeah, Before I was absolutely. like, what the hell is he talking about? Yes, I know. And our poor little brains, we don't, they're not even fully developed until we're like 25. In my 30s, it was fully developed. Long. Although I do think I gave birth to half of my brain. Probably. Almost, yeah, 30 years ago when Brittany was born. So I do blame <laughs> her for the depletion of brain cells. Thank you, Brittany. Yeah, all Brittany's <laughs> fault. That's right. Well, and, and I, and even more like looking back on my life from now and going, I wonder why, so not so much um, the existential piece in philosophy, but when I took, um, it was not a knowledge and reality. It was basically like intro to arguing, right? You learn all your P's and Q's and how to, how to make valid and sound and logical arguments. And for whatever reason, I passed that class with 103%. <laughs> Now, looking back on it, I had been arguing with two adults who had been gaslighting me since I was little. I could fight anyone. Under Go ahead and argue with me. I'm going to point out all the ways that you're wrong. And how That's I know so that. funny. Yeah. <laughs> and so it just turned out like here I was right really good at like seeing people and understanding humans and also being able to argue. And so um, taking that into the graduate school setting, um, I studied depth psychology. Mm -hmm. um, at Pacifica Graduate Institute. And so I learned a lot of just that classic, the Freud, Jung, Karen Horney, mm -hmm. all that, all that stuff, mm -hmm. um, archetypal psychology, and yep. then appreciating myth, literature, religious studies, and just like, just looking at the human kind of being in a cultural historical context and yep. recognizing that all of that energy shows up on your couch when you're working with a client, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and that lights me up. I just can't even tell you the whole thing just excites me because I can see that I just see the map of the process. Yep. And so, um, you know, in order to become a therapist from that point, I had to do all kinds of hours, you know, to, that licensed by the state. And it, and it took me on a journey through niches. My first of which was working with, um, sex, can't speak sexually abused children. Mm -hmm. And um, that was a journey, you know, uh -huh. and, and learning things like um, an abused kiddo uh, is less likely to trust nice people because what are they, they just, they don't trust nice people because they've usually been harmed by someone who is a nice person. That's right. Yeah. And so it just, it, it just fleshes out this idea of context. So moving through all of that. And as I, I became a stepmama myself um, to a six-year-old in 2006 and then um, was, you know, working with kids at the time, but having to like bump my age up a little bit because it was hard for me to have the same age at work that I had at home. To separate sort of. Just, yeah. Be with yeah. and to not project one way or the other. That's right. And so I just upped it into teens. And then once she got closer to her teens, I kind of upped it into college age. And then I yeah. found myself working with um, first existential crisis people. And, um, and then it, it's, it's evolved further into now women, I would say 
the, the casual window here is between 30 and 50. Mm -hmm. And I just kind of fell in love with the whole thing because I'm hearing all kinds of narratives about life where it's like, according to whom, or what makes that a thing? Or how do you know that? And just finding out all the ways that, 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 and I'm, I want to be really careful here. I'm speaking specifically about women, but of course this applies in, in its own way to every population, but, um, just learning how much we put ourselves on the back burner that we're expected to do that, you know, yep. and, um, that we I work with the have... same, I would say that I work with the same, um, age group. Mm -hmm. And what I absolutely love is the woman who comes in and is at the point in her life where she's like, no, me now. <laughs> I'm like, damn right. Let's go. You yes. know, like that's, that's, yep. that's most of the people that I'm, they're finally yep. putting themselves first. I love that moment a revelation, like, oh my God, why haven't I been doing this this whole time? It's like, well, yeah. you know, yeah, we have been taught that, but that's what we should be doing. Yeah. But, um, and we do raise the children traditionally. I know yeah. it's not common all yeah. over, but traditionally yeah. that is considered a role of ours. And um, Absolutely. when they're grown up, you're like, now what? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Even just like this sort of politeness and niceness and, yeah. you know, being agreeable and, and, and just the fact that like, women struggle more in friendships than in romantic relationships, right? Like I'm done with this relationship with this man. I'm going to end it. I'm done with this relationship with this friend of mine. What do I do? Mm -hmm. Do I keep saying we should have coffee sometime and wait for her to go away? Like what, how do you break up with women friends? That's so interesting. Yes. You know? Yeah. And, and, and so over, over the handful of years that I got deeper into that niche of women without knowing that's what I was doing. Um, I started to develop basically it's a diagram and, and I mean, I can give you the sloppy explanation. It's basically like a target. And I started to see how women were, um, their job is to stay in the middle. I don't even think I have my, I usually, that's okay. Handy. You can explain it. Cause that's the best thing for a podcast. Anyways. Exactly. Yeah. I, I usually, I have a little, um, have a little, a target drawn on a piece of scratch paper and I'll just yes. hold it up now that we're in telehealth, but in, in it, back in the office, I just hold up a clipboard with it. And I would say these rings represent like the, the center is you, your, your deepest, most pure self. And these rings represent degrees of intimacy to you. Mm -hmm. And the, one of the most common mistakes that I see in myself and others is to try to meet people out there at their rings. Like that if somebody shows you, let's say who they really are, and you had been seeing them as this idealized friend for how long? Um, it's going to hurt to see that they are actually further away from you. In that moment, you are losing that person. Uh -huh. And uh -huh. we resist grief. Nobody uh -huh. wants to do that. So that's when we start gaslighting ourselves and saying, well, she's only, you know, stood me up this one time, or she's usually pretty nice, or she only says mean things to me when she's been drinking. That's why I just don't drink with her. Uh -huh. and, and making all these accommodations versus really getting to know, how do I feel about this? Is this actually working for me? If I was really honest about this, what would I say? And so I kind of turned it into a way of tending to that, um, feeding your center self you know, it could be inner bestie, whatever you want to call it, because there's no more intimate relationship you can have than the one you have with yourself. And it's the only one you can control. Yep. Um, and so just describing to women how like, imagine someone moving further, like showing you where they really mm -hmm. are in those rings mm -hmm. and how that feels. And what does it mean to stay in the center? And also the really good news is sometimes you have somebody who you thought was way out here and they show you something where the joy gets to happen, where you see oh, you too, you have the same feeling too. And then yeah, yeah. experience the closeness. And so, um, so basically how I could, I mean, this could turn into a really long story, but in the spirit of not doing that, um, I wouldn't worry about it. Just go ahead and talk. <laughs> well, it it's, it's kind of grown from there because I realized the other thing going on is how many times in a week I hear, and again, I'm just limiting it to women right now. That doesn't mean that's the only limits, but Oh, thank you so much. I just need to give myself permission. I just need to give myself permission. I just need to give myself permission. And a lot of that is asking someone to say, yes, you do. That's right. First More validation like, from outside instead of from inside. Instead of just what we doing really it. Need, we really need to do is be aware of our inside and what we're thinking and feeling and does it feel right for us? And then just say, nope, that doesn't feel right. You don't need permission to say no, then you just say no. You just say no. 
it's really hard for people. People also have a really hard time with boundaries, myself included. So, oh, absolutely. It's yeah. A thing. Because yep. when you think about it, we're rewarded for not setting them. Oh, she's so flexible. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you for being so flexible. Like, well, I did, you know, I could have either said that doesn't work for me or be flexible. So, you know, so, you know, and, and tr- quite frankly, flexibility is like a spectrum. It's, a, it's, you can be a little flexible. You can be a really a lot flexible. I don't know. Yeah. And you can be overly flexible and tear. Yeah. It's just, it's too much. And then that's when you get into things like resentment or hiding from people who you don't want to face because really all either there's an 800 pound gorilla in the room now. And you know, I can't talk about anything else. And yep. so just as I did my own work, you know, because I've, I've been in the chair and I've also spent a lot of time on the couch and, and, um, it's been so, so, so helpful, especially in keeping my process out of my client's process. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, between the self-help literature voyage I had been on my, most of my life and then putting it together in therapy and having words like, you know, your dad is a narcissist Yep. and narcissists don't love anyone. And that means you. Yep. Like that's a really tough pill to swallow. And at the same time, it is so liberating. I was just going to say it must be freeing, you know, it like, really is. okay. It's not me. You know, it's not yeah. me. It's him. I'm not doing anything wrong and it's okay. And, and after you've heard therapists or other people say to you so many times, you're really hard on yourself. You're so hard on yourself. You're really hard on yourself. It's like, that's, that's an adult child of a narcissist. <laughs> So when, when I, when I started to realize this idea of like giving yourself permission and being able to see yourself and having the experience of learning how to see myself, um, by my own means and with other people's help, and then Mm -hmm. also teaching people how to see themselves and how to just be honest with themselves. Right. It's like, you don't have to now go and deliver this news and tell all your friends, listen, there's a new sheriff in town today. Cause I just figured myself out. Um, it never can, happens like that. No, no. <laughs> but the more honest you can be with yourself, the more well-informed your self-care practice becomes. I know yeah. this about me. So I know I'm going to need this today. Or yeah. I'm going to need this to have this conversation. Um, and so uh, it was really, I don't know what order I want to tell it in, but um, both of my parents kind of strangely died in 2019. Like, they had been divorced for decades. Um, and my dad got a cancer diagnosis in early 2019 that I didn't know about until April. And by August, he was gone. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. I mean, thank you. Yeah. That's sad. Yeah. And it was an interesting journey to go on with him. Um, because there were things I think about deathbed moments and it's like, oh my gosh, am I going to finally hear from this person? You know, I wish I could have been, or if only I had just, nope, he, 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 the, the couple of boundaries that I, big boundaries I had set with him in my young adult life, where I had taken a break for a few years, just from even having anything to do with him. He brought it up and he told me how much that hurt him. And I remembered thinking in that moment, like looking at him and having love and having compassion. And, and like, this was my dad, all the, all the old stories of love still live in my body. Right. Mm-hmm. I still experience my early years with him. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like, that's enough. That that's still an answer. He doesn't have to tell me what I think that someone should say in this situation. It was more like, there it is. Yep. And I'm still fine. And I still have <laughs> compassion for this person. And it my the self-awareness was just so jacked up during those, those final months and weeks. I mean, and I was with him until his very last day, mm-hmm. um, just letting whatever happened happen. Mm-hmm. Um, even as he's got a picture of his home, he built on his nightstand in the nursing home and not pictures of his children or his grandchildren, or, you know, and would interrupt anyone who came in the room. Like he would interrupt you to show a picture of his house, like, and not introduce like, and this is my daughter. <laughs> it's just like, it was so crazy. And that so, is so interesting to me. I know, I know some people like that. Yeah. It's, I mean, <laughs> it, it really is. And in hindsight, it just, it's, I don't know. I think it's an amazing story. And, and I, I never mind talking about it, but I notice that sometimes people get uncomfortable when really heavy grief stories come up or whatever. Well, um, I think that, I think uh, what you're doing right now is just expressing to the listener. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> plural that, yep. um, 
you know, here's the thing. And maybe I'm interpreting it wrong or whatever. But whenever I hear somebody's story, I try to relate it to my own. And I, and I, and I think like, okay, um, my life wasn't, you know, okay, everything's fine. Like, I just try to relate it. And this is probably not going to come out right. But that's okay. when you say some stuff like, you know, I took some time away mm-hmm. um, from him. Yeah. I've been doing that my whole life. Like I have separated myself for a long, long time. And mm-hmm. only now am I able to, well, my dad has passed, but recently I went to go see my mom and I, and it was a great visit because like you said, the awareness of, yeah just my, my own work that I've done over the past few years, but then really truly understanding and having compassion and giving her a little bit of grace for it. She did the best she could, you know, with, with what Absolutely. she had at the time. And I yeah. really have come to, and I think it makes people uncomfortable when I talk about these things, mm-hmm. like, you know. Um, oh, I totally get that. People yeah. talk about their mom and they miss their moms and, and you're so lucky you still have your mom. And I'm like, you well, you really know. shouldn't say that because you just don't right. know that someone's lucky. Yeah, you know, right. whether I am or not, how I feel is indifferent. It's like, right, well, but like you never really know. You can't. Yeah. yeah. So like when you say people get uncomfortable with grief stories, I still think telling that, telling those stories are really important. I think telling those stories Absolutely. because they see what you've gone through and look where you are now. And yeah. so it's, it's important to say, I went through this and I dealt with this and, but it's okay because yeah. maybe they're going through it and they're going to, they look at you and say, I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and it just really informs, I think for people who haven't experienced like the death of a parent, you know, that, that, it, it, that words to use around people who have, or, you know, what's, what's helpful and what's, what's not helpful and what you do, what, what you can do and what you don't have to do and all that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But so, so anyways, okay, go ahead. I, I yeah, think I so, probably interjected yeah. and then went nowhere with my story, but that's oh, okay. Ab- this is a journey and we're on it and I love it. I love all of it. <laughs> um, we, so um, once he had passed, needless to say there, there is, um, my mom and sister and I, um, were always just best friends. And, you know, my, my dad was a firefighter. He was gone every, every third day he was, had a 24 hour shift. Mm-hmm. And so those were the nights that it was kind of peaceful at home. Um, and we had, you know, we played games, we'd have tea and toast and we, or we bake. I mean, it was just like our time. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I could tell after he passed that there was this moment we spent every Friday together, the three of us playing cards, we had raised all our babies. So that now we had like, you know, what, 20, 19 and 17. I mean, just like these kids don't want to do crafts with us anymore. Mm-hmm. Let's play cards and drink coffee and just like shoot the <laughs> shit. So we did. Yeah. And, and, um, and I could tell we were starting to heal a little bit, the three of us growing up in that environment. And, and my mom, of course, was taking a lot of responsibility. And just saying things like, I really thought that it didn't matter. Like, I just wanted to have you girls so much. And I didn't think that it would matter. Mm -hmm. I could just be um, both your parents, you know? Yep. Give you what I think that he should have given you. Yeah. Yeah. That I could overcorrect for this other thing. And um, that was so helpful. And so we were getting into this healing process. We had a really wonderful Christmas. And then she died the very next day. We no warning. She, um, the best they can assume is that she had a massive cardiac event. Her heart did not look good. We, we, we checked and talked with the medical examiner and she just, it sounds like she basically had a really big heart attack and just died really. I'm so sorry. It's weird. It's just weird. And so, um, oh my gosh, those days that you had though, together before that. I, and the fact that she loved Christmas. So I already knew I didn't see her the day after Christmas. Normally I would have talked to her, but I was going to see her the next day because the next day after that was a Friday. I'll see her tomorrow. We'll play cards. It's fine. So really the last time I saw her, what she said to me was, I'm going to need a bigger crown. She was having the best day. And I think that she was feeling like she, she could have taken this real estate back existentially years ago, but I get it he's now gone. She can really take her real estate back. And, um, it was a really wonderful day. She just, she always loved Christmas. She always loved just people getting together and food and all of that stuff. And so I knew she was flitting around her house, just having the best time cleaning up her kitchen or hanging up her new calendar or putting the new sheets on the bed and, um, and probably just never even saw it coming. And I feel like for her, that is the bigger crown she was talking about. Yeah. she had led such a stressed out life of always putting herself last. Yeah. Struggling with setting boundaries and saying no to people. And, um, 
And so I started thinking about this idea of permission again. And so two years ago, Thanksgiving, no, last Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving 2020. Yeah. I don't know what year it is anymore. Yeah. So whatever. They passed Your in 2019. guess is as good as mine. They passed in 2019. And, yeah, and so, so 2020. 2020, I was, it was Thanksgiving day. I was brushing my teeth and I heard a voice in my head say, you're learning, you're, you're listening to the Paths to Permission podcast. And I was like, that's really interesting. I don't have a podcast, <laughs> but the path to permission is what grabbed me. And I realized that like, it's really easy to say, you know, you have permission to do whatever you want. It's another thing entirely to say, here's how you get to that, to where you actually can say that to yourself. I was going to say, or yeah, how do you feel that that's true? Like, how do you yeah. get to the point where that's true? Right. Where you know, our programming like, and our, and our, our, our parents pro were programmed by what we grow up with. Yeah. So living in that environment doesn't, you don't feel like you have permission to do anything because anything you're going to yeah. do is going to be wrong. Yeah. So. Yeah. And so in, in, in realizing that that target diagram I'd been sharing with clients for years now, it was like, it lives in there. It lives in there somewhere. And I started working on fleshing it out. And so where I came up with radical permission is that I realized to get to full permission that we need to have, um, self-awareness, mm -hmm. like, and I mean, self, like, like work on it, brand self-awareness. Yep. <laughs> And also um, a way to manage expectations from ourselves and from outside of ourselves, mm -hmm. which is it, that's the boundary setting stuff, right? Yeah. Um, and it's all related to the self-awareness. And then I thought the other piece of that is being able to speak to and name goals, manifestations, dreams, what it is that you want and how you think like the practical matters, right? The intentional action toward those things. And when those three pieces are working together, the radical permission is at the center. These are all like living and breathing. Absolutely. Yeah. So that is where radical permission, permission coaching comes from. Um, you know, I refer to myself as a clinically trained coach. And part of that is just because with the background I have in mental health, um, I feel comfortable sitting with clients um, and coaching them and being aware of potential mental health pitfalls yeah. or something maybe getting in the way and you're not having success in this coaching, but it's not what you think, <laughs> right? It's not because you stink or you're failing. I right. think there's a gatekeeper in the way. That's right. Yeah. So, can, you know, can we talk about you finding a therapist? I'm, I can't do both. Obviously that's not okay. Um, and there's different boundaries for each. And so, um, really the last two years of my life has been putting this together and, you know, figuring out, is this a one-to-one -one model? Is this, can this be a group model? At some point I would love to have a cohort yeah, I think it could be. I mean, I don't know. I don't know your structure. I don't know your yeah. content, but what you're saying, I absolutely know that you can. Yeah. 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 And so it's been so far. So I've been doing one-on-one um, -on -one work, you know, and just having taking people on maybe like a month at a time or a six week yeah. stint at a time, you know, usually I'll just do a quick phone call just to talk to the person and figure out like, what is it that you're hoping to get? And does that fit within this framework? Do I, do I think what I have to offer is what you're asking for? Right. Um, and it gives me a chance too to flesh out, like, should you be looking for a therapist? Yeah. Well, you know exactly yep. what that is. I mean, you have the expertise. Yeah. If there's you would know. Enough, like trauma or um, a, a, what sounds like a major depressive episode or, you know, nothing that I would get to actually diagnose myself in that moment, but just something right. that makes my ears twitch. I feel fully prepared to have a really honest conversation about it, you know? And I think that, um, this whole journey. So tying this all together, like, like the early, early experiences in my family, the passion for self-help literature, my journey in the study of psychology and how I rounded it out and, and, and what areas of that became more spiritual and more versus more like, um, quantifiable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and then just the journey as a therapist has just come to this point where it's like, my favorite words are things like realness and authenticity and, and, and real estate. But I mean like emotional real estate, existential mm -hmm. real estate, and just right. like learning how to live in the shoes we we're wearing versus mm -hmm. the ones we think we're supposed to have. I mean, I was at the grocery store not too long ago and there's a cashier I see there all the time. I, I think she's a really neat girl. I don't know her very well, but, um, I had, I, I was grabbing my bags and she had moved on to the next customer and something came up and she made some sort of comment about some sweater that she wanted to wear, but that, um, that she said that it was like too old lady and she couldn't get away with it or whatever. 
And I just kind of lean in and I said to her, I want you to ask yourself who's making money every time you feel that way. Like, why can't you wear whatever you want? Right. Why can't you, if who, who do you love the sweater? <laughs> wear the who? And if somebody thinks whatever, like, what is she doing in that sweater? It's like, they're showing oh, you where they are on those <laughs> yeah. rings and yeah. it's not close to you. <laughs> right, right. It might even be like, boink, right off the edge of the diagram. Right. Like, the flat earth target diagram. <laughs> yeah, the flat earth target diagram. Exactly, exactly. And so I just have this, this streak of, um, I don't even know what to call it. I'll call it like tasty rebellion. Like I like to talk back to fakeness. And I think that it is what interferes with our relationships. I think it's one of the things that, ma that uh, makes sort of traditional uh, woman friendships difficult at times, mm -hmm. you know, this performative stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, people and, always say we don't dress for the men out there. We dress for the women. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't, I mean, look at me. <laughs> like, I'm like, whatever. Lionel. <laughs> I don't even know how to dress myself. I need someone to help me on a daily basis. I am um, like comfort all the way. I need yeah. to be comfortable because if I'm not comfortable, I'm preoccupied with how uncomfortable I am. And that yeah. just doesn't seem like good use of my time. Nope. <laughs> so I agree I'm with you there. I know it's like, I realize we're probably not walking into like board meetings and pajamas, but there's got to be a way around that. <laughs> I agree. But, but, you know, going back to the actual topic yeah. is, yeah, we are, the, we do things for the other women in our lives, yeah. not necessarily, yeah, I mean, the, anyone else. The other person, right. We're trying to mm -hmm. appeal to the other or prove to the other that we're worthy. That's right. So sad. And so, and, but when you can see how, when, when that self-awareness kind of comes to life, it's like, once you've already figured out that you're worthy, then you mm -hmm. can start interpreting. So instead of me running around, making sure all my friendships are managed, I can take inventory from the center. That's right. What is moving toward me and what might be moving away from me. And then I can also, once I understand that I can apply it to the goals that I have or the dream that I have. Yeah. It's like some cost fallacy, right? Well, I've come this far. I'd be throwing away good money if I didn't follow through. And it's like, I don't, I don't know that that's true. You're speaking my language. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And so, um, I, 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 I love that we're here talking about this now because at, even as I talk about it, it's still developing. It's still something where to take speaking therapist ease for 22 years and then getting into something that has a whole different set of boundaries. Um, you know, clients I can be friends with. Like the boundaries in coaching are different, you know, um, and just being, just having a little bit more freedom. And uh -huh. I think that the therapy boundaries are absolutely, they need to be there. And I, and I love and appreciate that for what it is as well. And there right. are times when it's like, I just want to get in here and get sloppy. Let's do this. Like we're drawing maps. We're like, we're going to get yeah. things on the board, um, yeah. you know, and just, and, and really learn how to embrace that. And so that when, when it does click into place, one of my favorite lines to give clients that, that they all resonate with is go ahead and let it be weird. Like when Why you try to do something different and you feel yep. weird about it, the first thing we do is try to get back to feeling happy and okay. Yep. When it's like, as soon as you say, this is going to feel really weird. So I want you to let it feel weird. Then suddenly like, I knew I was doing it right because it felt weird. <laughs> yes. That's how it goes. It and I think, feel like, I think feeling weird is okay. I like yep. <laughs> weird. <laughs> yeah. I've just seen so many times people just start running away from that as fast as they can. It's like, I must be doing something wrong because this it's is uncomfortable. They're not, they're not comfortable anymore. Yeah. People yeah, have a hard time being uncomfortable. They do. They do. Yeah. And I think about, I'm, I'm not a fitness junkie by any stretch of the imagination, but I remember having my first experience with free weights and thinking I was just going to lift this weight up. And what happened is it went all over the, because I couldn't control it. And I thought, how do people do this? Or like the first time you hula hoop, mine's broken. It fell on the ground. It's like, it's just, we haven't figured out the rhythm yet. Yep. We haven't figured out our rhythms yet. <laughs> yeah. So there's self-care that goes into it. There's boundary setting that goes into it. There's, um, you know, finding fun lines. Like I, it took a mentor of mine to say, you can be jokey while setting boundaries. Boundaries don't have to be, listen, I need to set a boundary with you and it's going to be a firm boundary and I need yep. to speak very seriously about it. Nope. Yeah. It can be something as funny as like, that's hysterical. What did you mean by that? That was kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> I remember saying that to someone recently, like, that's weird. How, where did you hear that information? <laughs> yeah, where did you hear what are you that? talking about? <laughs> I just heard a really good one for when somebody says something that's really upsetting to you. It's like, what was your intention just now in saying that to me? 
I'm yeah. like, oh my God, I love that because it also gives the person an opportunity to really think about their word choice without you right. saying things like you really need to think about your word choice. <laughs> right. That's more judgmental. The other one is yep. really inquisitive. So it's an invitation. <laughs> yeah. I'd love to hear what made you say that to me just now. <laughs> What did you want? What were you thinking? Yeah. What were you thinking? <laughs> it's so funny. Yeah. All right, listen, listen. We have to stop for a second. We have to take a break. Because oh, Liz got to make that podcast money. <laughs> I'm not sharing it with Brittany. All right. We'll be back in just a minute. <laughs> if you're in the Mansfield, Massachusetts area and are looking for a space for yoga, meditation, great workshops, and life coaching support, check out Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. Mainstream even has a couple of virtual options if you don't live close by. Check out their offerings at MainstreamMeditation.com. You can also follow Mainstream Coaching and Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. The name is Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. And we're back. Thanks again for joining me. I guess I can't really say us, although Amy is here, our guest, but Brittany's not here. Um, Poor Brittany. She's, I think she's quit the podcast because I I get, I'm the only one who talks. (laughs) Anyways, I'm here with, (laughs) I'm here with Amy Ennis. She's a therapist and a radical permission coach. And if you've been listening, she gave you some insight as to her journey to becoming both of those. Um, And I love the radical permission coach title because it really does explain um, what you're doing. You're helping people, mainly women, um, give themselves permission for something they really didn't need to give themselves permission for in the first place. Yeah. But you're to understand why and how. Yeah. yeah. You're why allowing them to understand why it's okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, I did want to go circle back about mo- your mom and how you were talking. See, I come from an energetics like viewpoint perspective. And I don't know if you ever um, have ever done any energy work at all on yourself or trained or do you know anything about Reiki? You know what? I know a little bit about Reiki, but not enough to say I know anything. I'd like, I would be. Yeah. So when you were telling your mom's story and how she would always put everyone first and she was taking care of you. She just wanted to be with you guys. Um, and you said she really didn't take, she didn't have any form of self-care. I think you said that. Yeah. Pretty um, much. Yeah. Um, that's directly connected to your heart chakra, which is connected mm-hmm. physically to your heart. <laughs> and I'm like, Oh yeah. Interesting. Oh, so yeah. when an energy system is not flowing properly, um, for long periods of time, physical manifestations can um, appear. And that's something that is interesting to me because after how you described her life with your um, dad Mm -hmm. and then how she died, it just really made me think like, yep, self-care is really important. Self-care, I mean, I know it is self-compassion, self-care, self-love. Yeah, Yeah. and not blaming yourself. Like, like- When, when we try to blame ourselves, that's a way of saying this situation is really uncomfortable. And maybe if I can make it my fault and apologize, all of mm-hmm. this will go away and it never works because if it's not your, if, if you didn't do it, you can't undo it. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she did have an, in, in that her heart was very enlarged and tough. And the first thing that came up for me, my mental image was like, I'm not surprised because I, when I think about how much stress she held in her body and how hard that muscle was pumping all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, we can go ahead and, and say, well, she was a meat and potatoes girl from the San Juan Islands and she was, but <laughs> really she was stressed out and always yeah. very worried. Yeah. It just shows you the mind, body and soul connection. Something 100%. that we talk about a lot on this podcast yeah. and um, <clears throat> how important energy is and understanding your own. Um, Which is all about self-awareness, which is all about self-love, which is connect self-love is and and compassion connected to the heart and solar plexus. It's just something that I like talking about. Anyways, love that. Love that. that. (laughs) So tell the listeners how they can get in touch with you. And as you say it, I'll make sure we put it in the notes for the podcast as well. So how can they get in touch with you? 
Um, so if they are therapy clients in the state of Washington, they can find me online at bellinghamcounselingtoday.com. I can make sure you have all the spelling for that. Thank you. Do you mind sending it to me? I know that's like a side conversation. Oh, but that's easy. To- yeah, I'll get okay. that to you. Yeah. Bellinghamcounselingtoday.com is my therapy site. It's for anybody in Washington. I'm doing all telehealth. Um, but um, as far as for coaching, yes. uh, the, the website is authorizeyourlife.com. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. I, when I found that domain name, I was like, what? Lucky. Yeah. yeah. And I'm on, I'm on Instagram. I do have a Facebook group. It's kind of in a holding pattern right now, but um, for, for my Facebook group and my Instagram, they are both found at the authorized life. Nice. Mm-hmm. I love it. And it's really just about like, you know, authorizing your own life. Like I yeah. signed, I, I gave myself permission. That's right. Radical permission. I love it. If it's a seven figure business. Great. If it's ending my marriage. Great. If it's going and having more fun. Great. If it's finally making my cupcake thing into a business. Great. Yep. Give myself permission to do it. We can get it out of the way. That is very, 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 very doable. Yep. I love it. Yeah. All right. So we have your Facebook and Instagram and we have your website and we have your therapy business where they can reach you. Um, and I, you did say telehealth. So I guess, I don't know if people around my area can hire you as a therapist, but they certainly can hire you as a coach. Yeah. They absolutely can hire me as a coach. And I, and mm-hmm. a lot of my therapy work has kind of, it's, it feels more coachy in a lot of ways, right? If it's like, yeah. if it's not immediate trauma or a depressive episode or generalized anxiety, then it's, 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 it's usually people who are living a story someone else wrote. Yes. Yeah. Right. Right. That makes sense. They're out of alignment period. Yep, like there's just, there's no, yep. They're not being who they are. They're trying yep. to be some, what someone else wants them to be. And they're just not themselves. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, and make sure you send me those things. Cause I really didn't get to write it down really fast. <laughs> so that's okay. I, I will do it immediately in our little message we had going back and forth. Thank schedule. you. Thank you. All right. So and awesome. so here are the last final questions that yes. we ask every guest. Okay. Number one. When you are at your most peaceful, what is it that you're doing? Ooh, when I'm at my most peaceful, I am at the beach. Um, and it could be laying on a tropical sandy beach or it could be beach coming here. It's I the ocean. Yeah, the ocean the for me. Yep. Yeah, it's, quite frankly, I don't even like the sand. I don't like the feel of it on my feet. I'm like, yeah, that's bothering me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But the ocean, the waves, the sounds, yep. the sky, oh, yeah. All about, yeah. Um, okay. This is going to be a tough one for you. I might force you to narrow it down to one. Okay. Life-changing self-help type book. What would you recommend? (laughs) I know I'm dealing with someone who's read a million. So deep breath, take your time. I'm rusty. Some of them were really old, so I wouldn't necessarily recommend them now, but um, How about with your reclaim, re, re, um, radical permission, what would you suggest for a woman who is, is dealing with something like that now that would be life-changing for them, or at least one step in the right direction? Um, you are a badass by Jen Sincero. Oh yeah. She's awesome. Yep. Have you because, read all of her, all yes, of hers? I have. Yep. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I actually, I commented on something she posted on Instagram one time and she responded and I about died. Because I was just right. like, you're my favorite. Right. <laughs> right. So that's me and David G. If you do you meditate at all? No, well, yes and no, but yeah, <laughs> casually speaking, yes. <laughs> so I'm gonna tell you, you have to meditate every day. Two, David G was my first like virtual teacher years and years and years and years and years ago. Uh-huh. He worked for for Deepak Chopra at the Chopra Institute. He was like the Dean of students or something. And they put out a free 21 day meditation challenge. And it was his voice mostly for those 21 days. If you heard his voice, you would probably just melt and go to sleep anyways. But not only did I meet him, but he was on my podcast and now he like comments on some of my things. Well, he doesn't, that's not true. He doesn't comment on my things, but if I mention him, he will. And I'm like, I'm a big fan girl. I told him that on the podcast though. Oh Huge my God, fan. I love that. I yeah. Love that. So, and I love Jen Sincero. <laughs> that was probably one of my first 
books that I that I read and was like gotten fired up. So yeah, it good got one. me fired up too. Yep, yep, yeah. yep, yep. Yeah. And honestly, just a good old classic like um, what is it? Um, um, seven habits of highly effective. Nice people. try. You're not gonna throw in five more. I said you have to just give me one. Yep, the Jensen Chero it is. She's at the top <laughs> of the list. She's top of the list. As far as like really grabbing you and taking you where you need to go, I think that she is the person for me who normalizes. Well, she's fear. like no, no bullshit. Yeah. to me, it was yep. like, just, this is the way it is, but this is the way it, it like, is. Yep. And put your, throw yourself out into traffic and you'll work it out. Yep. Right. It's <laughs> so true. Don't do that. Disclaimer. Don't do that. Yeah, don't, don't literally throw yourself out in traffic. No, I do not recommend that. No, nor no. does my guest. No, never. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> After listening to this episode, they'll be like, I'm throwing myself into traffic, about into traffic. <laughs> uh, just because of the episode, not because you told them to <laughs> <laughs> get a little too existential. Nah. Um, okay. If money wasn't an object, what would you be doing? If money wasn't an object, I would be, I, I hate to be redundant. I'd, I'd be at the beach. <laughs> I just would. Um, but I think if, if, if when I got off the beach, I would be spending a lot more time, I think, volunteering and helping people out. Yeah. Right. Money's not an object, so you can still help people and you can I have time and bandwidth and energy and yep. it's a come on, yep. come all. Like I yep. really do like hearing it. I like mirroring people. Yeah. I love it. Thank yeah. you so much. Oh yeah. Thank it you. It was so nice me. to talk to you. Likewise. Anytime. <laughs> Thanks. Maybe Britt will show up sometime and we can all have like, you know, some tea or something. Yes. Yeah. She'll, nice. she'll be, she'll be jealous. She missed today and then we'll get her next time. Yeah. I'm going to make sure she's jealous. I'm going to text her right when I get off. Like that was, oh my gosh, that was so great. That you was the it. best interview, Brittany. That's what I'm going to text in that tone. Do it. <laughs> I will. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me and Amy, not Brittany. And I will be back right after this short break. And here I am. I am back. Just came back to say one more time. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited that you enjoy this podcast and keep coming back for more. We can't wait to see you next time, but until then, may you be happy, healthy, safe, and live a life that's filled with ease. Thank you. Bye.